Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. We've reached episode 691. This is being recorded on August 24, 2022. I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spurnberg. We want to thank all of our patrons at patreon.com slash pcper. You've become patrons of this fine art of whatever it is that we do here. And you keep the lights on. You keep us going and we appreciate you. We've we've just seamlessly cut to Josh talking about his burger of the week. Take it away. Uh, yeah, my burger. Uh, this one is called the Johnny Cash Burger. And if you wonder why, it's because it involves a ring of fire at the end of this rainbow. And what this is, is a double patty burger topped with pepper jack cheese, topped with freshly cut jalapenos, topped with... Flamin' Hot Cheetos. And then as the coup de gras, extra spicy buffalo sauce. So yes, this this does have a little bit of heat to it, but it's super tasty. And it wasn't overwhelming heat, but holy cow, it was it was tasty. And so I have to give it two thumbs up because I don't have any more than two hands. <laughs> and if you're cutting this part out, I can give it three. Never mind. Wow. <laughs> Just about went there. Lend you a hand? No. Nope. Nobody's lending me a hand. And now it's time for news. That's right. And we're going to go to our favorite source of video card related news. None other than video Intel? cards. No, video cards with a Z. You, you, st- you, they, you stop with. They cover Intel news, too. They have a whole art tab, I think, <laughs> if you click on it. Well, I don't see it up top here. There's Radeon G4. Yeah, well, you wouldn't put that in your leader, would you? I mean, where, wait a minute. Let's see. Videocars.com. Sections. Arc, 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 No arc. arc Where's arc, miscellaneous? Arc, Lord, arc. Arc. Anyway, uh, we're talking about NVIDIA. It's the RTX 4080. And some of the rumored specs that have come out in the last few days doesn't seem like it's going to be as crazy as we initially thought with power consumption, which may have been changed from 420 watt TBP to only 340 watt TBP. In addition to lower uh, power requirements, apparently it's going to have faster memory. So we're looking at 23 gigabit per second, GDDR6, uh, 16 gigabytes of that. This is from a well-known leaker, Copite7Kimmy on Twitter. Let's look at the rumored NVIDIA GeForce RTX 40 series specs based on these uh, revelations. And we would see memory bandwidth jump from 676 to 736 gigabytes per second because of a move from 21 up to 23 gigabit per second memory. And the total board power dropping, obviously. So that's, that's promising. Throw more memory bandwidth at it, lower the board power, probably lower the clocks to make that happen. Mm. So it's all wait, TV. wait, you said lower the bucks? Lower, well... Maybe. Lower the clocks. Wouldn't you have to lower the clocks to get the power down? Not necessarily. (laughs) What, just change process this late in the game? No, no. I'm I'm just talking about, uh, you know, why, why, you know, you'd probably lower the performance and lower the, 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 the power draw. I mean, if you know what your competitor's doing, then, you know, you can... Well, I mean, a key performance driver is the clock speed, so that I think that was yeah. the, the ask. Well, but, I mean, it's also what clock speed you can maintain, not just how big you can get it. 
That's yeah. true. There's always the, the boost time and how long they stay at any particular yeah. high clock. So yeah. you drop your power down a little bit and you may end up seeing, you know, effective frequencies higher. You know, boosting and again for, boosting for too long can have consequences. You know, it sounds like yeah, a great idea on paper. Over four hours. Yeah, and you just you can't you yeah, can't you need to see your doctor contact your yeah. board. Con- manufacturer. Con- contact your manufacturer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that projected uh, board power actually puts 750 to 800 watt PSUs potentially back on the menu for a 480 I build. I couldn't recommend that. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> it's, it seems... Uh, it's possible. Come on. Maybe. Well, Maybe. but at only, how many of those... At, how many PSUs at of that level are going to put the proper uh, PCI connector mm-hmm. out, though? Not, you none. can just adapt at, it. It's going to be fine. At, True. At only Ish. 350 watts on the GPU, I think maybe an 800 might be back. Might be a possible. Yeah, as long on, as you don't buy a Kentucky Shroud for your processor. Yeah, don't get the 200. Yeah, I was going to say. 30 <laughs> whatever watt processor. Speaking of NVIDIA and videocards.com, the RTX 4090 is already Finally. in production. Allegedly. Well, if they were going for a September-October launch, then yes, they've been in production for a little while. I mean, the chips have been fabbed and then stacked with memory and sent to the uh, the board partners. So yeah, that that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't be shocking at all that they're under manufacturing. It'll you know take a while to get them all boxed up, and sure they'll they'll ship them out via airplane by the uh, for the first uh, you know first batch. And then after that, they'll start sending it over on the slow boat that'll eventually get here. Unless they want to spend money to do air freight. I like the call out for display outputs, which says 3x DP and 1x HDMI. Mm. <laughs> you can get that with an RK380, guys. Right on. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Nothing for special those about keeping that. score. For those keeping score. Now, Josh, can you please explain to me, as the sort of financial mind on our podcast... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We talked about the announcement, the sort of pre-announcement of NVIDIA earnings recently. And yes. now I'm seeing all over the news today, NVIDIA guidance. So they, have they actually released the numbers yet, or are they just changing <laughs> yes. their guidance? Okay. okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. Let me, let me pull these up. Uh, okay. Here's a story at Seeking Alpha. His name. It says, NVIDIA disaster guidance. Yeah, so they announced today their regular... Um, Q2 fiscal 2023 summary um, revenue was 6.7 billion. Again, they they warned us several weeks ago about that. Their gross margins 43.5 percent, which is down from Q1, which was 65.5 percent. I don't think I've ever seen a 23 percent drop in a gross margin in one quarter. Um, Net income so horrendous was, was is a good word strong. for it. What's that? Horrendous is a good word for it. Like the yeah, use in the yeah, uh, it's, article. It's a little crazy. Uh, net income of uh, you know six hundred and fifty-six million, which is still good, but as compared to Q one, which was one point six billion. So yeah, from Q one to Q two, they dropped from eight point two billion in revenue down to six point seven billion, and they had many things to say about crypto. Well. Some odd things to say. Essentially, they they did they they knew that their GPUs were able to do crypto, but they didn't realize that they were being used as much as they were for that. And so when that dropped and uh, the resultant crash, they were 
unexpectedly uh, caught by surprise. That, I was on uh, mute when, was, I, when I was extreme. Coughed. I was on mute What's when that? I heavily coughed into my hand after you said they didn't know their cards were being used by crypto. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you look at their past several you know quarters, they're like you know we we have a, an amount and that we do in, in crypto, but it's it's not anywhere close for what our gaming is. And I don't, yeah, I, we've always kind of scratched our heads at that one because we've all seen the farms. We've all seen these people that have warehouses full of things, even small scale operations are still using 250 to 500 GPUs. And, you know, that's that's a small one. Some of these big outdoor ones were, you know, thousands of GPUs. And, you know, instead of each one of those GPUs going to some, you know, poor gaming kid, uh, they were all stacked up. And now we have these open-air markets of used GPUs that we see very clearly that there are hundreds and hundreds of these that they're trying to, you know, get rid of and and... You know, we'd always heard rumors of, you know, pallets going directly from, you know, some partner or directly from NVIDIA, which I don't know if they actually did or not, because they don't actually manufacture their own boards. They, they still outsource that. So, yeah, it uh, they, they had they had a year. Uh, well, they had a quarter. And the good news uh, just keeps on coming because I believe they said their revenue for next quarter and Q3 usually is a strong quarter in that, you know, you, you've got build up to the holiday, you've got back to school, you've got usually stronger sales than Q1, and Q2, which are historically lower performing. And uh, they're expecting around 5.8 billion in revenue, which is down another 900 million for them. And that's, that's kind of nuts. Um, they've, they've been hit hard, and this will probably be the first time since, I believe, 2014 where AMD will have a higher um, quarterly revenue, or at least they should have a higher quarterly revenue unless they get hit by something else crazy and warn us here shortly um, than NVIDIA has. So, yeah, it uh, it's, it's I mean, the hits keep on coming. Gaming is has been the, the big one for them, and... Yeah, I think a lot of their GPUs were definitely being used for <laughs> a lot more uh, high production mining than uh, than they were kind of letting on. Because, yeah, as you can see, it's just picture after picture after picture of hundreds of GPUs that are being used uh, just for mining. And, you know, it's it's it kind of was a a house of cards. For them, sure, it looked great going up, but once, once uh, you know, a couple of cards in the bottom were taken out, it all fell to pieces. Um, you know, their data center still seemed somewhat strong, but they didn't really answer the question when directly questioned um, if they're going to see, you know, kind of a reacceleration in the in the data center market. And Nvidia just kind of danced around that one and didn't give them a very good answer. Um, but that's one area where I think NVIDIA really hopes to uh, to to kind of leverage uh, to get them through this time. And uh, yeah, they've they've got a lot of they got a lot of unsold chips there, and they're trying to get to the four thousand series. Uh, AMD's slightly better off from what we see because 
a lot of their chips weren't used as much for mining because NVIDIA seemed to have done it better uh, with the higher end SKUs. So, and also AMD doesn't have as much market share. I mean, in, in both gaming and graphics and in CPU uh, in the desktop is Intel. And because they have a lower percentage share, they, they didn't get hit as big as what Intel does. And a lot of those were offset by their extremely strong data center, uh, which were, you know, all Epic processors and, and some of their uh, instinct uh, GPUs and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, NVIDIA's is, is, uh, their, their, their share price probably is going to start heading down a little bit because that 900 million in the warning, uh, essentially eats up their, their kind of net income on how they're running. So there's going to be a lot of belt tightening. There's going to be a lot of fire sales and they're going to hope that, uh, they can kind of balance out the introduction of the 4,000 series with being able to sell a lot of this unsold stock and uh you know they've come out and kind of said that they're going to be helping some of their partners um make sure that they don't get as hammered uh they do have a bit of a war chest of funds from the past several years that they've done very well with so yeah it's uh you know it's an interesting time for nvidia i mean they're not going to go kaput anytime soon and they're still a strong company with a strong portfolio across the board um, it's just going to be interesting to see how the fallout for this, uh, you know, uh, kind of tech market crash and, and PC crash and, uh, the crypto crash, uh, will affect them in the long run. Thanks, Josh. Clear as mud. Completely. Yeah. I think yeah. we all saw it coming, obviously, cause they pre-announced. I was just interested in the fact that it was back. It's funny how this works. First of all, they're they're halfway through the next year somehow already, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's the way that they they did their uh, IPO and how they did their accounting. Um, it's been like this ever since what two thousand two thousand one I think when they're or or a little earlier than that ninety eight ninety nine I can't remember when their IPO came out, but uh, they they announced their their quarterly things a year kind of in advance uh, just because of the way that all fleshed out. Don't ask me. It's strange. Mm. Blame Mike Cara. No, actually, no, he had nothing to do with that. So, You know what? Asus has announced a whole bunch of X670E motherboards. So the full launch, I'm reading the press release via videocards.com, of AMD's next-gen AM5 platform gets a little closer and what I'm excited about personally is the gene. They're actually paying attention to micro ATX this time. There's going to be a micro ATX mm-hmm. ROG Crosshair X670E gene motherboard. Do you remember the gene boards on previous Intel platforms that were loaded with every feature imaginable? They just happened to be nine by six square. Mm-hmm. I, I like bad. the G form factor. I like it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, micro ATX is, uh, you know, that was, that was a good form factor. I mean, I liked it more than ITX just because... I just think ITX is too crowded. And look at this. Well, you get four, four slots. You, you get know, four that full-size uh, PCIe and a buy one for all those buy one devices that <laughs> everybody uses. Now, wait a minute. Is that only two memory slots then? Yeah, yeah that's all you need, really. If to think about it. Oh, uh, come DDR, now. DDR5. I, I, like, I like, okay, all right. Is all du- right. dual channel in the dim anyways. But I like I liked the G-boards having four slots, right? previously they did the gene boards had four slots before i've owned a couple of them 
But yeah, I mean, it's kind of what they're doing with. Uh, it's like a larger ITX board now that I look at it. In this case, it is. Yeah, seems that way. Do they have a dim dot two? I think there's a vertical. There's some kind of vertical thing because they have Horizon. limited space. Yeah, yeah for um, M dot two. That's really the, the trade-off with micro ATX these days. Because people are not doing dual GPU. And I would hazard a guess that most people use external devices over internal expansion cards. But you do sacrifice M.2 slots on smaller boards. I was kind of hoping for a 4X slot because... Uh, do these come with 10G Ethernet? I seriously doubt it. But Well, it's four, you need a 4X slot to serve 10 gigabit. Let's go to 2.5 Come on, 2.5. All Look, right, there it is. Two point five. There's some two point five is good. It's good. Marvel Ac- is this pronounced action? Action. But it's A-Q-T-I-O-N? action. Or it could be action. Or action. Okay. A Q T I O N. That's the A Q T I O N. Thank you. Uh, what <laughs> I would like to see a rundown of specs. I, I looked through the stuff that uh, Asus had sent out in the press release, and it's kind of. A bunch of, you know, text and pictures, but no product listings yet, as far as I can see. So I haven't seen full specs and all this stuff yet. I don't think all the boards are going to have 10G. Looks like at least some of them do. And of course, you know, the rundown of an X670E is that it has the higher bandwidth to the chipset and supports PCIe 5 all around. And it's it does this because it has two chipsets, like kind of working in tandem, which seems... It's interesting. I'm very curious to see how smooth and reliable this ends up being. Because those early leaks at the end of last year on what X670 was going to be showed that it was PCIe 4, and now it's all Gen 5, of course. And they accomplished this because there's dual chipsets to double the bandwidth. Hmm. No. They work in tandem. It's Please. dual, dual chipsets to, to give you more lanes especially for those m.2 at pci5 then why is it that the six they're north bridges they're north bridges on the cpu again okay <clears throat> what about the like the b600 series are those going to support it's like Gen d2 5? okay and only a single one versus you know a dual on the 670e uh-huh. at least that's the information i have okay. kind of gleaned from it all I could be wrong. I've heard nothing official from AMD, and I've just kind of dipped my toe into the rumors here and there over the last few months. Let's move on. Speaking of Asus, they recalled 10,000 of their Z690 Hero motherboards. So if you like spending $600 or $700 on a motherboard, you might have to get that thing replaced because apparently some motherboards have melted. There was an actual component. A backwards capacitor. Component was installed incorrectly. Yeah. Let's hear for quality control. It does seem like there was a a rough time in uh, human history there for a little while with uh, attention to detail and quality control. Asus, what is your statement on this? Uh, The the link in the show notes is actually their recall form where people can go to get uh, a check on their serial number to see if they're potentially affected by the problem and I think to start an RMA. Wouldn't you know that you were affected by the problem when things just didn't work and your motherboard was on fire? That's a good question. It really depends on where that that capacitor is in the power loading. I I assume it's within power, of course, not in noise suppression on a signal line. Um, It just depends. Hmm. Maybe it's on a particular SATA. Maybe it's only active in a particular 
power state for certain kinds of CPUs or uh, BCI particular um, slot. You know, who knows? Here's some better news. Uh, another display standard to be plastered on the front of every monitor and the, that endless sticker that's going to be under the bezel of everything that has uh, <laughs> the HDR designation yeah. and and the supposed... The, the, the 16 characters of the Acer model number. Oh, and... that too. That's on the back plate, though, at least, thankfully. But now there's a motion blur rating called clear mr obviously clear motion rate and i think i remember seeing clear motion rate on maybe samsung tvs it's it's actually a clear motion ratio oh okay sorry because it's a ratio of the number of actually unblurred pixels to blurred pixels Hmm. wait so they want blurred pixels uh well if you want a low rating then yeah (laughs) wait Ah. does blurred pixels give you more like of a smooth it's more of a cinematic feel yeah yeah, it's it's. I want it's, my twenty four frames per second, and I want them to be blurred into each other to look. You out. stop. It's a it's a callback to yeah. film. I, yeah, that hey, worked I well. Twenty four frames per second myself, but uh, clear. Yeah, MR... the, the high frame rate did not work so well. So, for instance, like the way they explain it, clear MR seven thousand. Okay. When you see there on the bottom left, looks like a, a FMV have... from Final Fantasy seven on PlayStation one. Yeah. So it should have a clear to blurry pixel ratio of between 6,500 to 7,500 clear per every blurry one. So, I mean, it, it sort of makes sense. It's not, it doesn't immediately make sense, but once you sort of realize what they're sort of saying, that's that's what they're going for. I like so, the you know, still image. Can we just have every frame look like this? Yes, you can. Uh, play Crisis back in the day, and it was just <laughs> one very clear image after one very clear image after one very clear image. You know what's funny? If you look at this and think about it, if you play on super high refresh and you're worried about getting like two, three hundred frames per second with those, you know, competitive games, are you really getting the clarity, or is it well, just a? Mush? I mean, what's your gray to gray? Because well, yeah, you might knows. have an amazing refresh rate, but how well can your pixels actually switch? Are they, okay, they so want to standardize this. They want to standardize things. How about standardize gray to gray? Because which gray to which gray? Like any gray uh, to any other gray? Next, or, you're going to want to standardize brightness. I mean, for Christ's sakes and here. I feel like, I get. I think people think that they actually have standardized brightness. Oh, they do. Uh, and they don't realize that, oh, well, I just recorded it in this dark room, and these guys recorded it in a bright room, and uh, we don't really have the same equipment. But uh, at least with VESA, it's a little bit better, although HDR 400 is their fault. So I say that with a grain of salt. (laughs) I don't know. It's I'm torn. I want to see it. I want to see how they enforce it, because, I mean, there there are so many monitors out there that say they're HDR, which I mean, technically, there's no way in hell you should call yourself HDR. And so I can see them saying, oh, I'm clear MR 5000. As, and, oh, and, and then VESA claims that they can deal with the overclock because some monitors, of course, can overclock. So they, they swear they can deal with this, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, if you can, uh, well, this is a 166 hertz monitor, but if I crank it down to 87, which happens to just be a, a multiplier of what the uh, actual response time on the pixels is, I can jack that CMR rating way up. You'll never see it, but I can prove it in a test room. So I don't know. I think it's going to be more of a marketing thing, but it would be nice. Uh, I mean, Blurbusters and Archings, like ratings, they do brilliant job at uh, trying to show 
you know, just what you're going to get. But I mean, even still, it, I, a number of people, when I do the monitor reviews, it's like, well, but how is the text? Like, well, honestly, I wasn't reading it when I was moving quickly. But yeah, I guess it does get a little bit blurry. But then again, I'm doing busy doing something else. And if I'm playing Battlefield or a competitive multiplayer shooter, do you really notice the motion blur? Or do you just notice the little bits? All I know, all I know is that when I stream a 4K title, it doesn't look anywhere as good as going directly from the 4K Blu-ray disc. That's it. That's, that's... Ah. Have, have you tried on live? Uh, it was, uh, that's the one where they smear Vaseline over the entire screen. Uh, no, that's Stadia. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is still alive somehow. They keep emailing yeah. me. <laughs> Here's your games. Like, no, thanks. Sorry. Sorry. It's just funny, these standards, because first of all, somebody's going to end up cheating on the benchmarks because. Did you say negative? Something. Did you say negative latency? I thought that's what you just said. That's what I heard. <laughs> Oh, you're just, think, you're just thinking of Stadia still. But yeah. you can't have it all. You cannot have it all. You, you, you can have most of what you want, but you're not going to get something that has the best pixel response you can imagine. Or even under a high-speed camera, you're going to see like like instant you know, changes between each frame yeah. that aren't blurry. And you're not going to have the same panel giving you the brightest whites in the world that hurt your eyes. And also, the darkest blacks... On the same checkerboard pattern. That stare into your soul. Because some of them are amazing. Like OLED's amazing, but it the OLED panels that I looked at don't get as bright as the brightest LED backlit, you know, Samsung TVs. And then the Samsungs have to use very complex local dimming to get mm-hmm. OLED level blacks on the same checkerboard. It's easy to And to be stuff. honest, if you look, different areas of this cool. monitor have different uh, blacks. Not all of they, them are as dark as others. Right. You pointed out like light control and stuff. Like it's yeah. sensitivity of, of measurement devices and getting them sensitive enough. It requires expenditure that is beyond most. And it's just, and for most people, they see bright, they see contrasty, they see color saturation, and they're happy. There's a TV store mode for most TVs. And what you see at Best mm-hmm. Buy, it has no relationship to this, the way that they're being tested on review sites who put them into like a, a home and then some kind of cinema cinema mode. mode. I th- what is this story doing on our regular news list? It's IOT. It's got to be a security problem, right? You'd think it was, but it's not. Jeremy actually had an interesting take on this and how there's sort of this convergence and the hackers have helped us in along this road. Helped us. Okay. We're talking. Well, about- I mean, it's not like they put out patches or anything, but oh, okay. well, j- tell, tell me, tell us more, Jeremy. So it's, it's home kit. <laughs> And home assistant is the subject here. Yeah. So one is an iPhone thing. Home assistant is something that Apple set up to handle their Internet of Things and gave you a, a decent app interface for it. But what home kit is, is a way of jailbreaking just about freaking every IoT device on the planet. And uh, these guys figured out how to connect the two. So you're using the Home Assistant interface to interface with things that Apple would probably rather you never interfaced with because they probably sell something about 10 times the price that'll do it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting sort of take on 
divorcing yourself from the company that made the device. And in many cases, that company's already divorced themselves from you. And like, ah, we're not supporting that anymore. You're going to buy the new one. Logitech is really good at that. Google is really good at that. Uh, so this way you can actually keep them still useful. Uh, and honestly, from let me not being an iThang guy, I have never used the, uh, the app before, but chances are it's going to be better designed than a lot of the ones you got from your ring or your whatever the Logitech one was uh, that died. It's, uh, yeah. It doesn't seem like the worst idea ever. Apart from, you know, it's a bad idea to fill your home with smart devices in the first place. But if you're going to do it, I mean, at least do it yourself. Surprisingly, there are a number of uh, iDevice users out there for in the in the phone arena. Perhaps you've you've heard of this iPhone phenomena. So potentially, this is a way to bring a lot of those devices that never were were going to be brought into the iPhone iHome ecosystem as a bridge. This is a bridge mechanism to bring them in. I applaud that. Let's pause here for a word from this week's podcast sponsor. We've all had those days where nothing has gone quite right and our brains just aren't working at 100%. The last thing we want to do is answer that same customer question for the 20th time today while still sounding friendly and personable. What if your communications can always come off as a ray of sunshine even on your toughest days? Things like your common customer responses, calendar invite links, or asking for more information can all be expanded with just a few keystrokes. Bam! Enter Text Expander. You can access what you type the most just by typing a few keystrokes, which means you can communicate way better even on your worst day. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work, so all you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest of the work for you. Text Expander helps drive faster results for customer support, sales, recruiting, engineering, or operations. Here's how it works build and collect your most commonly used emails, phrases, and messaging, and more right within Text Expander. Add things like today's date, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more to make content feel more personalized. Then expand it. Deploy the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device, across any app you use. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. It's that easy. Check out Text Expander and have a customer facing happy face no matter your mood. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. So visit textexpander.com slash PCPer to learn more. That's textexpander.com slash PCPer. Okay, let's, I, talk about your, of, let's talk about your short throw. Let's talk about, <laughs> no, not just short throw, ultra short throw. Get it right, Jeremy, mm. and your titles. It's ultra ultra you know what i hate mm. when everybody calls everything ultra ultra exactly that. ultra that nice is it really nice. all that ultra i'd like to thank my mother back sorry i can't i can't do more anymore andy rooney he's nice he's dead. uh too well, soon Paul harvey's dead you would never mind eh. so is gilbert godfrey unfortunately hmm mm-hmm mm-hmm so XGIMI, however that's pronounced, has the aura. Zigmi. For, what? Zigmi. Zigmi. Okay. Bless, that's bless what you. I've heard. Bless you. They have the Aura 4K. It's an ultra short throw projector. Neo Seeker did a review. It's uh, it's been a while since we've looked at projectors here. I reviewed an ultra short throw projector from Acer a few years ago. Yeah, so and if you smack it right up against the wall, like literally up against the wall. You get a 30 inch, 36 inch screen, uh, four foot three away up to 150 hmm. inches. Wait, wait, wait. That's, that's 4.3 inches. Uh, yeah, you're right there. That's the I beauty of ultra short that. throw. It, if it's, yeah. 
I used to set up the ultra short throw, well, until I had to send it back. But the ultra short throw that we had here for a while, I had about a foot away from the wall, and it was filling a 100-inch projection screen. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it depends on the lens. But here's the problem with these. This is what I would be curious to read about in the review if they cover this. Ultra short throw has a huge problem, which is distortion. To get 100 inches, 150 inches that close to the wall, it's using a very wide-angle lens. Not quite fisheye, but it's very wide angle. So it, there's a lot of image distortion, which has to be sort of corrected digitally. So the edges, especially like the far left and right corners, mm-hmm. uh, get a little blurry, a little less distinct. So it doesn't ever But I'll look... tell you what, those, those you, can, you can count the pixels at the bottom center. Oh, absolutely. It's so sharp down there. Yeah. I, I think they're optically distorting it to be to get that throw at that distance anyway. They are. So yeah, but yeah. there's one great thing about them, and this is why they're so like I I was at my son's uh school open house today and every classroom has a ultra short throw right up on top of the whiteboard. Because not only is it out of the way up there, it they're really bright. You could see everything without any problems on the screen, even with all the lights on. There's not all the light scatter that you'd have from having the projector on the other side of the room. I've had a projector set up where it was like 16 feet away from the screen. You lose so much brightness as it travels across that much mm-hmm. space. You have to have light control all the way through this entire space. When it's right up against the screen or right up against the wall, if you don't have a screen, it's Well, as it's long as you use the right paint on the wall. That too. Just don't have textured you need walls. You reflective paint. You don't want textured walls. Oh, even still. Talk about distortion. Uh... Anyway, yeah. So it's, you mean plaster is going to interfere with my enjoyment of this? Only if it's cracked. <laughs> it might. It might. <laughs> oh no, watch, it's patterned. It's just watch old movies, patterned. and you'll, you'll feel like it's part of the film. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Oh, actually, that was look one, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was one other odd thing about this thing, which I thought was kind of interesting. The audio, Herman Carden. It's got two tweeters and two subwoofers in it. Uh, they're both fifteen watt. So I mean, not huge, but still. And it does DTS, DTS HD, and literally any Dolby audio uh, that you'd like to mention. So that kind of makes it interesting that you could literally carry this around with you mm-hmm. and, you know, relatively fill a space. I want to know what the uh, what the shaking distortion will look like in action movies, because you're going to shake that lens. Oh, you're talking about with the audio? The audio subwoofer frequencies are going to vibrate the lens. Interesting. And I was going to ask that, too, because it still seems you're throwing literally two 15-watt tweeters and two 15-watt subwoofers in this tiny little thing. And it's still supposed to maintain perfect steadiness? I don't know. I don't think you can escape low-frequency vibration. I really don't. No, that's sort of the point. And the other here's the other thing is that you know if you would like to buy a hundred and fifty inch TV, it'll cost you more than twenty eight hundred bucks. But twenty eight hundred bucks for this thing is a bit of investment. If it's native four K, this is cheap for ultra short throw. That's actually it it is. It is four K, and you can always turn the audio off and just route through yeah. your receivers. Yeah, but think sure. about it. It could add to the excitement. If you're worried about it shaking, 
when the bass when the bass hits, there's an explosion on the screen. Whoa! Like the whole the whole screen is shaking. And like the image is getting distorted. That's exciting. That adds the it's, it's like it's like adding smell More reality. Yeah. yeah, and then well, it starts to I don't smoke know. during Smell the explosion scenes. You're like, "Whoa, this is real!" This is... And then your house, like, the wall catches fire. Exactly. It's this like is, I can actually this smell was, it. This was more like the, when the, it was big to have the uh, headphones that kicked you in the head and the chair that kicked you in the butt. Yeah, there are IMAX uh, theaters with you know subs theaters. under your butt. Yeah, they still do that. So. Yeah, yeah. It's cool that they're trying something because you know projectors are not the most popular category. And then the ones that sell well are the ones that are really, really cheap. And people do them like... Well, but when you bought one and Ryan bought one, they were huge. Like, everyone was reviewing them. There were hundreds of models of them out. And they just sort of disappeared for some reason. I think if you were enthusiastic and wanted to have a home theater and you wanted a big screen, that was the period of time when 52-inch TVs were considered big. And then 55 became kind of the standard along with 65. And now 77-inch TVs are cheaper than the TV I bought in 2016 hmm. that's 65 inches and now you can get you know 80 to 100 and it weighs 80s. less too 84s yep yeah so it's it they're less relevant than they used to be because it just was one of those things it was like rear projection tvs how else are you going to get a screen that big it just you couldn't do it with tube tvs and then you didn't want to do it with early generation lcds <clears> but <throat> this is one of the, another one of those just like the acer i reviewed years ago which is a laser projector so it uses advanced laser phosphor display you can't replace it it's not like a bulb that you can change out it has a 20,000 hour mm. lifespan allegedly it's only 2400 lumens but oh. it's right up against the wall so you're getting pretty much all of those 2400 mm. which is about what I had the projector was I had was an Epson that was about 2300 I think so yeah I'm not saying anything bad about this because it's it's an interesting product and uh, if you like the projectors, yeah, for that price and that density and that close, I think that's that's interesting. All right. Let's move to our gaming quick hits. Look at the visuals here. I mean, if you're listening nice. to the podcast, you can't see this. This looks like one of those NVIDIA RTX demos or something. No, it's a miniature-based computer game. So, like, there's absolute minimum... Uh, animation on it apparently on that model the tongue moves a little bit and when you move the model the bottom shakes a little bit this is called Moonbreaker, by the way yeah so when i first saw this i'm like yeah okay whatever the hell i'm not really that oh wait brandon sanderson's involved in this so apparently they got brandon sanderson to come up with the entire backstory and world and if you don't read you'll probably have no idea what i'm talking about if you do read well when does he have time to do this? this? That's what I want to know. I don't know. His he just books did are an average of what? Made him like forty-seven million dollars. That is just pretty complex, and he's in the middle yeah. of three different books. And yeah, it's I don't I don't get it. Dude doesn't sleep. I don't think he does. Um, and yet, that's why he's so creative. He, he's just sort of hallucinating the entire time. So the idea with this is that it's more uh, honest to the old tabletop games. So there's no grid. There is no grid square, which everything now uses. So that's got two things. One, you, your little miniature has a certain amount of movement that it can make. 
Uh, it's not squares, it's distance. But the other thing is that it means that all the terrain and all the stuff around it. Oh, this is uh, the Subnautica commercial. Because it's the guys that made Subnautica made this. So that you're, you're watching the Subnautica thing. There's, it was a non-interactive uh, hour-long demo at uh, the game developers conference thing. So you won't find it, unfortunately. Uh, okay. But the thing is that the, like the entire assets of it aren't, aren't based on a grid either. So uh, one of the reviewers was saying that there's a map where there's literally no straight lines anywhere. So it makes things a little bit different. Uh, and the idea is that you're a, a, a pirate captain. So you end up down on the ground with the opposing captain and you've got a crew of 10 people of which six you can beam down. But you've got to burn uh, ember to be able to do that, which you earn through fighting. It's they didn't explain a lot of it, and honestly, I didn't have the time to watch the entire video. But I was like, "Yeah, Brandon Sanderson's involved in this. I'm kind of interested." And then I looked at some of the the idea behind it of like the old friggin' tabletop, but without painting your miniatures or having to clean up afterwards. That's kind of interesting. You know, what this reminds so me. We'll of see the reimagined uh, battle game in Final Fantasy VII Remake. If you remember mm. the original game, there was that mini-game where you had to defend the hill from the opposing forces. I don't can't remember what it's called. I don't recall what it was called. Fort Condor something. Fort Chocobo? Kent, <clears throat> very helpful. He says Fort Knight, and he sp spelled it with a K. Hey, uh, let's... We've... Uh, reached security news security news yep. here at pc per and it's about uh, something near and dear to all of our hearts plaques uh unfortunately they had some sort of a intrusion yeah they they lost the passwords the usernames encrypted passwords emails apparently nothing involving payment but you have to reset your password oops ah well jokes on them i'd forgotten my password so i needed to have it reset anyways <laughs> I think 1Password is the only one that knows my Plex password. I don't know it. <laughs> oh, no. What if 1Password gets pwned? Then what are Stop you going to do? Then I'll go to my LastPass backup, and then... Oh, Man, no. That, that happened to LastPass, but it has not happened yeah. to 1Password. Oh, you're right. It was LastPass. It wasn't 1Pass. It was That's not 1Password. I apologize. Use Bitwarden, because then you can I, just host it yourself. That's the open source one. Just hmm. write it all down backwards. Just write it all down in a book, yeah. like my. But no, write it down does. backwards. It worked back around for many people. We're coming back around to just put it on a post-it note. <laughs> you know, you know the people out there know. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You all know somebody, viewer, listener, who has one of those old-fashioned address books but then they have all their passwords written inside one of the covers. No, I work with them. I think you're really upset. I lost my password book. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's going to be reported as a security breach, but I really don't know what to say at this point. Really? I mean, unless somebody breaks into your home and then knows what these incomprehensible scribbles yeah. of yours inside of an address it's book in the mean, it was you're in the safer purse. than most. Come on, it's post-it yep. notes. Post-it notes. I still think it's post-it notes. Stack of post-it notes starting to sound slightly more secure. <laughs> okay, post-it notes around the Underneath monitor the keyboard. were absolutely a thing back in the yep. day. But. So yeah, Surprise. Plex. If you use Plex, reset your password. 
So a security story here. Software developer cracks Hyundai car security with Google search. Hold on. I think mm-hmm. I think that the title's a little bit doesn't really tell the full story a here. Baby. This is a little bit. This Hyundai as a uh, and, and their Hyundai as a service. Well, Hyundai is there. They did a um, you know a dashboard entertainment system. Right, and they have a third party sort of within, kind of connect closely connected with Hyundai as as a you know car manufacturer that built their entire entertainment mechanism in, internally, and they did. And here's my air quotes: everything right. They used in, uh, a mechanism to encrypt the upgrades. The the firmware was encrypted within. They used uh, asymmetric encryption keys. They they did uh, uh, other encryption mechanisms. However through very little effort by one guy who wanted to do something special with his in-car entertainment, managed to find and reverse engineer all of the pieces that he needed to create his own firmware upgrades for his car. The really, really stupid thing is, is that multiple times this guy found that the encrypted me- encryption mechanisms they used use the example keys out of, oh. hey, here's how you do open SSL. Here's how you do <laughs> s- symmetric oh. multi-encryption. It's so, so yep. sad. Here's how, the, and this the example here is, here's how you can do everything right and get it totally, completely wrong. So you're saying that this is one example where somebody actually RTFM'd. Yes. yes. They read it. They didn't understand it, <laughs> but they read but they read it. it. We're going to talk about Warhammer 3 Immortal Empires, or rather Jeremy is, because he reviewed it. Yeah, Peraspera is a very different Mars game than uh, Mars, surviving on Mars. Uh, oh, right. Uh, that was the game I was playing when I realized that I should be playing this a lot more because I had a review to write. Uh, Total War did something unheard of. When they put out the second Total War game, they also added... The two maps together and they didn't charge you for it they just said hey here is the, the new world and the the what we knew as the old world and uh the real old world where the remnants of the slam and that hangout and they slammed it together into a single map and said you bought both games good on you away you go so when warhammer 3 came out we kind of figured that you know they were probably going to do it but then the warhammer 3 game came out and the map was it was a good question as to how they were going to stitch everything together. So it took them a while, but they did. And so now you can literally walk from one end of the faded place to the other, or because these guys ain't dumb. Yeah. That's where it started. That's where it started right there where you didn't explore the world because you, there was enough to kill you inside the city. And if you left things worse than death happened to you. Uh, but they also included uh, something called sea lanes. So you can wrap around from the left side of the map to the right side of the map on very specific spots. It's utterly insane. Being able to have 86 different legendary lords right now, if you've got all the DLCs, and just short of two dozen races from hither to yon. And they did something interesting, which was that, whereas before, you know, and you started with uh, the Mortal Empires, which was uh, Warhammer 1 and 2 together. Everyone was sort of where they should be, and there wasn't much mixing around. 
when they did this, that they dumped some ogres in the middle of the border prince's land. Uh, the bloody dark elves are everywhere. So if, if you like them, uh, you're, you can be literally everywhere. It's insane that the idea is that you've got, you've bought the three games and you can literally play all three of them at once. And they've managed to incorporate every single DLC that they put in from the very beginning into the game. It's, it's a labor of love. You have to be into Warhammer to even care about this. But if you even slightly do, it's absolutely insane. And the other thing that they did, uh, which has been driving me nuts because I'd love to be dragging my brother and my dad into this is until now, the only multiplayer in the game was battles. You could have up to four people, four different teams battling, but it was just one single total war battle. That was it. You're now able to play the immortal empire campaign with friends up to eight of them, including yourself, as long as the host owns the first three games, everyone else only has to buy the third game. You don't have to buy the first two. It does limit the amount of lords that you're able to play with because you can't share that. But the, the, the thing is that you've got three short campaigns. Uh, one that sort of features uh, the, the Warhammer three campaign uh, with the chaos. There's something rotten in Kislev and there's a civil war in Cathay that you can deal with, or you can go full out immortal empires of everything. It's, nuts. Uh, they've also figured out that a lot of people didn't finish their campaigns. So they've trimmed down what you need to do to win the short campaign. The long campaign is still a good chunk, but it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be. So yeah, it's just amazing. They've managed to stitch all of this together. The amount of work they put in is it's, it's obscene to do it and they've done it. Expect a lot of patches. Uh, there are some interesting bugs there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, balance problems because the, the, there was a reason that no one went to Grand Cathay. It's because it didn't matter how many armies you sent over, the ogres just sort of ate you and asked for more. So there's going to be some balancing issues, but it's it's bloody impressive. And at the same time they did this, they dropped the uh, Champions of Chaos DLC. Uh, so they've totally changed the way that Chaos originally went to be match more what Warhammer 3 did, with uh, the Daemon Princes. So you are sort of, you're, you're no longer encampment based like the Beastmen were. Uh, you are able to hire armies as you're wandering around, uh, depending on what province you're in and what percentage. And you know, essentially it's not that there's an infinite number of troops you can hire immediately. It's just, there's a percentage chance that one or two of these troops will appear. And you can take over some cities up in the North and Norska, which are dark fortresses, You've got your whole building chain to go. Other than that, if you go and you try and take over a town, a city below there, you get to build one building just to help you spread corruption. Uh, but the nice thing is that along with this for Warhammer three, there'll be a change to the Warhammer one warriors or chaos totally free. So if you own that, it's going to change from being the uh, camp based to being the more modern one. There's also some more interesting things where we're looking here. The a lot of the skill trees for the chaos people are the same, but they've introduced this interesting technique where you can, instead of eating captives or selling them for gold, you can harvest their souls, give them to your patron, and get some interesting uh, new troops you can handle, you hire, 
bonus experience, but the thing is it costs you souls to maintain every turn, so you got no choice but to keep on spreading chaos. It's, uh, I mean, they, they I, and I'll fully admit it, they, when they invited me to the beta, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'd love to try it. Oh, wow, you just unlocked like two, $300 worth of DLC content for me. So thank you for that Total War. But at the same time, I did try it out because otherwise I couldn't prove that it worked for Immortal Empires. So it, it's not that they paid me, but I did get a little bit of benefit out of this. And so take that as it's worth. But honestly, if you're a Warhammer fan, this is pretty nifty. And the idea that I can now multiplayer with my family in a full campaign, like any other Total War game that they've put out, is actually really exciting. So this is fun then? Uh, it's a wor- it's some work, but it's a lot of fun. I did throw I see Papa Nurgle back there. He's doing pretty good. Yes, yes, I did throw that on there as a homage to tonight's gaming. So I try and pick a little something out of the show and put up on the screen. It's nice. Speaking of that, uh, our thumbnail this week, I had to use it because it's it's so attractive. It's the PC Perspective logo, but it's because a company called V-Color, which we've recently reviewed some DDR5 from, offered to send some more over, even faster stuff this time. In fact, the fastest you can currently get, which is 6,600. I think it's still the fastest anybody's making. And this time, they said, hey, send us an image file. We'll put your logo on the memory. I said, Ooh. nice. Okay. So they sent this over, and it ends up that uh, one of the Dems had a logo, and the other one just said X Sky on it. I'm not sure if that was intentional, but I'll take it because you know it makes a nice photo. Our logo etched into the heat spreader here on the 6600 CL34 memory. Now originally they were going to send CL32. There was some confusion there. Cast32 versus Cast34 because I ended up running this at CL32 as well, just just for some quick tests, makes almost no difference. Outside of something like ADA 64, if you're running synthetic benchmarks, but. Uh, so don't pay the upcharge for the 32, is what you're well, saying? Well, uh, here's the thing about that, Brett. I'm glad you asked. The charge is exactly the same. So their their retail on this is $399 for a 32 gigabyte kit of DDR5 6600, CAS 34, or CAS 32. Because right now. Oh. You just can't buy it anyway, so why would they charge less for CAS 34? Here's a search for DDR5 6600 on Newegg, which returns two results, one of which is out of stock, and they're $399.99 each. These are two G-Skill kits. So to get the V-Color, which you can buy right from their website, for the same price, there's just not enough competition at the high end of DDR5 right now for them to uh, charge less than the going rate, which is $399. It works. It is, uh, not surprisingly, faster than the 3600 CL36 kit we tested before. Outside of running some synthetic benchmarks or looking at 7-zip results, you're not going to see a whole lot of difference between these. And really, as we've mentioned recently, the sweet spot's going to become DDR5-6000 once Ryzen 7000 CPUs hit, at least theoretically. What what board did you uh, have this in? Well, the, uh, the 690 Hero. Hmm. Which mm-hmm. somehow is uh, fine. I have not. I was just going to ask about yet. the capacitor. <laughs> no, you should go there. <laughs> when when uh, go their site, man. When six ninety <laughs> launched, I got one of these, <laughs> and uh, I don't even want to know. I guess I do. Oh know. yeah, I I got some uh, both um, 
uh, YouTube and our our chat, Discord chat, both told me that when I was trying to figure out like where's that uh, cap issue, they both said it was a memory uh, dim. Oh, then hmm. I guess I'm fine because I've I've tested memory with it now. Well, maybe it's on like dim slot three or four because you were in one and three or two and four, which I don't remember which one it goes. Yeah, it's like it's always like the second two, like two and four, yeah. I think. But updated the BIOS, got that it ran perfectly. I mean, it's it's just XMP profile stuff. It's not mm-hmm. the craziest latency or anything. I did notice that these this is okay. We normally run Typhoon Burner a look at information about DIMs, and that didn't. I result. can't read this. No, nobody can. Uh, this is. I decided just you know to be a jerk and it's working. The, thank you. And provide the uh, full screenshot from Hardware Info 64. Because that actually did show information about the DIMMs. When I got a bunch of undefined values from Typhoon Burner, which I've never seen before. but So it's SK Hynix, of course, because it's the fast DDR5 stuff. That's who's making that right now. And there's all sorts of information about these, like the nominal speed and the latencies. Normally, this would be like cast 40... DDR5-4800 stuff, but with XMP profile, you get a 6600-CL34, and so nice. you see the timings are 34, 40, 40, 105 at 33. If you go down to 3000, it's 31, 37, 37, 96. So I'd be happy to test these out with uh, that speed and latency on a Ryzen platform, hopefully, in the near That'll future. That'll be exciting. Yeah. I'm Curious about how Ryzen is going to handle latencies. In the past, I noticed that, I don't, it, like the whole gear down mode thing, I had to educate myself about. It didn't like the odd uh, cast latency numbers. I could do fourteen or sixteen, but I couldn't do fifteen or seventeen. Hmm. So we'll see how that goes. New memory controller hmm. and all that. It's pretty modest looking, and I I think the improvement from the, the salmon pink. Oh, well, it's it is. Gold. It's it is gold. It is lit, though. It's lit. Oh, it's, it's lit. lit. All right. The, the, no, it's lit. The pictures... Really woke. The pi- <laughs> no. That's not what I meant. That's, that's In the pictures, so I would say this looks gold, but it was actually bright silver. It all depended on what was reflecting off of it, so I could not... I didn't want to play around with it anymore. I just, I'll just take the pictures. It looks I'm sorry, gold. what? It's actually You're saying silver. That's silver? This is a mirror finish silver. Wow. And I have it on this like fake wood board that I take these pictures on and everything around me was reflecting you had to catch it at just the right angle to right get so with this nothing. shot I took it from a oh. low angle so it reflected the green from the leaves of the tree outside the door so mm. it's it's leaves I don't that like are green pictures of mirror finish surfaces at all for that reason for many reasons nice so yes otherwise nature. Good, good memory yeah like it's good it. memory it's fine it's SK Hynix. SK Hynix. It's fast Hynix DDR5. It's the fastest you can get right now. Samsung has launched the 990 Pro series. It's still PCIe 4, but the speeds up to 7,450 megabytes per second. Let's saturate PCIe 4 before you get too crazy about <coughs> those Gen I'm getting a, drives. I'm getting a tingle up my leg on this. Well, 6900 write is kind of sexy too if it's, or sequential write if it's honest you know what i like about this the the amount of ram 
the LPDDR4, four gigabytes on the four terabyte model. Well, but you won't see that till next year. Uh, one of the one of the two are coming out this year. I see. Okay. In but October. It's, it's, it's a gig per terabyte uh, of like one gig of RAM per terabyte of NAND. It looks like. Yeah. Just think you could fill up that four gig in half a second. Yeah. That sounds so sweet. <laughs> up to 1.4 million IOPS uh, read, random read, and up to 1.55 writes. And sequentials are up to 7450 reads and up to 6900 writes. doesn't have a breakdown by model, so I wonder if it's just across the board. I guess that's just the... Well, this was part of the question, too. Yeah. And they're sort of saying uh, 50% less power across the board as well. Hmm. As compared to the Which, 980. Yes. Of course, using an in-house Which controller. The, you, ain't, you ain't just whistling Dixie there because nope. they get toasty. Now, the 980 Pro, I had forgotten that the writes were only rated at 5,100 megabytes per yep. second. This is a huge increase in write speeds. So it's a brand new controller. Mm-hmm. That was four four point as well, was it the nine eighty pro? Yeah, yeah, it was. 4. Yeah, but I think they uh, they enhanced their previous generation controller, whereas this one, from the sounds of it, I mean, the problem is you got to take it with at least a grain or two of salt because this is all in house. But yeah, if they did, that's an interesting new controller. Well, not only that, but they uh, they they apparently uh, optimized the firmware, you know, for the no. DirectX storage. Just like all these other next gen SSDs that we're we're starting to see that will, you know, sadly you have to have Windows 11. Yeah, no, but yeah, hey, it's not as bad as it used to be, Jeremy. It couldn't be as bad as it used to. be. <laughs> no, of course not. But that's not like, saying it's good. Like it's we just... talked about last week, <laughs> it's you can actually install it without having to have a it's a it's Microsoft a, account it's, and... it's, a, it's a nice water slide that doesn't have any water with sandpaper. And it used to have razor blades, but they removed the razor blades. So <laughs> it's not as bad. I, it, I, I think you're probably accurate. <laughs> Look, everything Microsoft does is onerous, and we keep using their software anyway. So you might as well be on the latest one. Yeah, it's essentially <laughs> free. So YouTube says it's out. now fine sandpaper it used to be coarse you know it used to be 80 okay grit. now yeah. it's one yeah now it's, if, now it's 150 if you if you polish your it's just laughing really sandpaper you'll be really shiny it's like a uh what is that stuff called the stuff that takes the dead skin off exfoliant Exfoli- exfoliant uh. yes it's just merely an exfoliant now yeah it was excrement now it's just an exfoliant <laughs> It's 11.35 Eastern as we record this, and it is time for Picks of the Week. Oh, huzzah. Josh, please get us started. Take us away. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyway, yeah, uh, if if you are a member of the Epic... What? Calgon, take us away. Oh, Calgon, take me away. Didn't work, uh, did yeah, if you have Epic Games, you can get Destiny 2 and the 30-year anniversary pack for free. I think that includes uh, some of the older uh, DLC that was initially done. So, yeah, it's uh, free if you want to try out Destiny 2. Uh, I think the, the pack has, again, some of the older ones uh, before Beyond Light. 
I can't remember what like Warmind and uh, there've been so many DLCs that they've they've done. Uh, you know, it's it's still a great looking game for being as old as it is. And I mean, the art assets are, are pretty impressive. Gameplay is a lot of fun, a little grindy, a little repetitive, but still fun. And you get to go interesting places. And again, visuals are great. I think a friend of mine just built a 5900X machine with a 3080 Ti. And at 1440p, he was getting like 300 frames per second. So, you know, it's just, it's overkill anymore. But uh, it still looks great. And yeah, for free. So, enjoy. I just placed my order. We'll we pause here for, for dramatic effect. Yeah, let's pause here uh, while everybody makes sure they log into Epic and get the free game real quick. It's good till the 30th, I think, this sale. Oh, okay. So, you got a few days. All right, Jeremy. Well, Tim, Tim and his 10 cent money giving us good stuff for free. <laughs> Jeremy, free. your pick this week. Well, I mean, it's kind of boring, but my God, does Monoprice send me a lot of emails? And uh, I was like, they hey, like do you, you want to review some HDMI cables? I'm like, yes. No. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> it's easy to say no to cable requests. But the thing was, I looked at it, and I'm like, 8K, 60 hertz, 48 gigabits. The 10 foot is like $13. That is ridiculous. Uh, and it's monoprice, so you got 30 days. If it sucks, you send it back. They give you your money back. There's no questions asked. Uh, it will also do uh, a significantly higher hertz at 4K or below. Uh, so, yeah, HDMI cables are boring, but you need them. Might be worth grabbing a few of these. There were actually a second uh, SKU that uh, I didn't link to that uh, are the ones that if, you know, uh, those are a little bit too short, they've got a second that start at 10 foot and go up to 100 foot. And yeah, 140 bucks is a little steep for 100 feet of uh, HDR cable, but if you honestly need 100 feet of HDMI cable, that's actually not too bad of a price. Hey, Brett, what's your pick this week? You know what? Logitech. Okay. They make mice. They make mm-hmm. they make well, a nice mouse. Yeah. They make a nice mouse. If you'd like a wireless mouse, don't overpay. Head on over to Woot. Get their business version of the Anywhere 3 and get the very same mouse that you could have paid almost $30 more for off of Amazon or Newegg. Get the Anywhere 3 business wireless mouse. For 56 bucks. Do I have to get it in this apple white finish? <clears throat> Shut up about your apple white finish and enjoy well, it. It says right here. It's pale like, gray. It's pale gray, damn it. Mac, yeah. iPad OS. Wait, you can use a mouse with iPad OS? Yes, you can. Since Aren't when? you keeping up on current events? Stop. I don't know. I don't you keep up with current events. I guess it makes sense because down. their alleged desktop <laughs> operating system is just Mac OS anyway. So I guess that makes This is the business version of the Anywhere 3. Pay less, don't pay more, enjoy the slightly off-white version. Okay. Now, if that was off-white, I'd be all over it, but that is more of a snow-white. It's actually more of a kind of a business gray. It's kind of that, like, disappearing to the background of, like, I'm going to be a drone. I'm just a business person. But you just, uh, don't you just pay more for the gaming the, black version. Hey, you just failed the Apple test. 
<gasps> right? I'm just trying to be an advocate for the. I'm trying to be an advocate for the person out there who's looking to save money on a nice Logitech mouse, a wireless okay. Bluetooth mouse. Snow White was one of Apple's design languages, and it was actually it was. kind of a gray color. <laughs> so it was, yeah. All right, I was going to go grab an old computer component and make that my pick of the week, but I don't think I'm going to. And then you didn't. Again. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> Windows is okay as as a windowing manager program, but it's just not that fully featured yet. Are you going to so, bring out Bob? No, He's going to do Bob. Bring Bob. Warp, We're going to drive down there and hit you. No, he it's is, not Warp, and it's not Bob. Okay. If it's uh, Clippy, if it's no, Clippy, listen. Think about a time when Windows was just like a window manager in the center of his screen, and there wasn't a whole lot. There was no start menu yet. This is pre Windows ninety five. One of the solutions out there to improve your Windows experience. I give you an Mirror, oh, Mirror you better not be it's, right. It's GOS. Mirror. Norton no, desktop. it's Norton Desktop. Oh, Norton desktop. It's even worse. Ah. It's even worse. worse. Think it's of, somehow worse. It's still almost, in its original packaging, so it's, it can't hurt anyone. Hey, it's it's desk still sealed. Desk view was a nice guess. Wow. Though. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> Peter Norton was a genius back in the day, and then okay. he sold yeah. off. Okay, I, I, I <laughs> things my happen. Lighting is completely. McAfee was right a genius back in the day too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't believe it's still in the wrapper. You did you know That's you can amazing. still buy Apple. new copies of this for just nineteen ninety nine. You devil, you. <laughs> Wait, maybe it was only 10. I, might, I bought two, of course. I think I paid 20 total. So Of course. Why Why would you not? Because I was going to keep one sealed and then open the other. I have all these ideas for things that I never, you know, really follow through with them. Oh, my God. So I don't have enough time. Cathode Ray Dude, CRD on youtube uh, a while back did a norton desktop video where he just kind of shows it to you and shows you every amount it, it there's way too many features it's confusing how much stuff you can do with this but you could actually create a really compelling desktop environment for yourself on an older version of windows before 95 came out it's it's just like a it's like a piece of history i guess from back when norton was you know useful utilities and software and things <sighs> I still just... miss their non-destructive format. Oh, man. That uh, was an impressive tool. Norton Utilities was essential back in the DOS era. And look at what it became. Subscription garbage. It, it's technically a virus now, I think. <sighs> All right. Can we have some kind of an outro for our show? Josh, will you give us an outro? Josh, let me put it on you. Let me put it on your camera. Hold Yet again. Save us. We appreciate you joining us for this fine and exquisite evening of PC Perspective Podcast, where everything is entirely on topic and in a, a vibrant manner that attracts people to listen to said podcast. And sometimes we even enunciate things and talk loudly over each other ad nauseum. So with that, Thank you for joining us. 